Welcome to the Academy Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing rich content for the purpose of spiritual growth. The Academy Podcast is brought to you by the Academy for Spiritual Formation, an international ministry of the Upper Room. The Academy is dedicated to creating safe space for people to connect with God, self, others, and creation for the sake of the world. To learn more about our five-day and two-year retreat offerings, visit academy.upperroom.org. I'm your host, Claire McKeever-Burgett, and I serve as the Associate Director of the Academy. I'm also ordained clergy, a birth and postpartum doula, a yoga, dance, and movement instructor, a mother, a partner, a friend. We're glad you're here. In this month's episode, we hear from Academy faculty member Mary Earle, who is an Episcopal priest, writer, spiritual director, and retreat leader. In 1987, she graduated from the Seminary of the Southwest and began serving parishes in the Diocese of West Texas. After the onset of a life-threatening illness in 1995, she refocused her attention on teaching and writing, offering courses for the Seminary of the Southwest. Since retiring, Earl's ministry has focused on practices for the spiritual life in sickness and in health and contemplative prayer. She continues to lead ecumenical and interfaith retreats across the country. The following episode draws from Mary's teaching at a two-year academy in October 2016 in San Antonio, Texas, on the topic of spirituality and ways of healing. A reminder to our listeners that these recordings come from live plenary sessions, which is why you'll sometimes hear coughing, laughing, and other affirmations in the background. We've done our best to edit out distractions, while also working to maintain the integrity of the real-life, in-person teaching that our spiritual guides offer. Also in this episode, Mary mentions her fellow Academy faculty member, Lloyd Allen, who taught alongside her on the topic of Protestant spirituality. Offering deep insight into the topics of healing, death, and dying, Mary Earle invites listeners to daydream, muse, and reflect on what healing looks like individually, communally, and for the world. In this culture, in the United States, we don't have many practices that allow us to speak well with one another about loss and about what our dying looks like. Um, Just this past spring, Doug and I, for years, went to a lovely physician named Melba, who was, aside from being a physician, she was a Dominican Catholic nun. And she was a fabulous physician. And she developed a lung cancer, I'm sorry, a liver cancer. And being Melba, who's very straightforward, um, she started out as a Lutheran, interestingly enough, and ended up becoming a Dominican sister. So Melba began telling some of her friends, like us, early on, this diagnosis is not, is not good, I'm going to keep going as long as I can, et cetera, et cetera. And she did pretty well for about a year, and then the cancer got the upper hand. And what was really beautiful, stunningly beautiful to observe, were the ways in which she had sat prayerfully with her community and her family, most of whom were in the Midwest, 
and talked about what she wanted her service to look like, what she wanted sung at her funeral, how she wanted the disposition of the few goods that she had to be taken, because she was living in community, so she wasn't like she'd acquired a whole bunch of stuff. How she wanted to be memorialized, because her fellow physicians in San Antonio, of course, wanted to do something. She wasn't afraid of those conversations. And so when she died last winter, what that led us, me and Doug, to do was <laughs> we reevaluated everything. We had had wills in place. We had had funeral plans in place. But there was something so gracious and wise and faithful in the true sense of that word because she was commending herself into the arms of mercy, into the glorious community of the saints and light. That's straight out of the Book of Common Prayer. Well, it's out of Scripture, but it's also out of the Book of Common Prayer. You know, we Episcopalians, we confuse the two. So at any rate, that it's this sweetness of great faithfulness and engaging other people in her journey, not shying away from it. So you'd say, Melba, toward the end, how are you doing today? And she'd say, not bad for a dying woman. And she'd just laugh about it. So we ended up with new wills, new funeral plans, new medical directives, revisiting with a financial advisor so that things are, certain bequests are taken care of more expediently so Jason Earl won't be totally, if we're both killed in a plane crash going someplace fabulous, he won't be completely bamfoozled. But what Melba's death reminded me of was this. She understood that in our mortality, in our living, we are always in community. And the question is, will we live in that? Will we live into that or not? Will I duck from it? Will I turn away and say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk about that right now. It's very interesting how many ways in which Americans, in general, shy from conversations about the fact that we're mortal. And the fact of the matter is, we are. <laughs> I did, had the fortune, good fortune of doing my CPE with an uh, Episcopal priest now of blessed memory whose name was Chuck Meyer. I don't know if any of you who are Austinites ever knew him. But he was like on a one-man campaign to awaken Christians in general to the fact that we're mortal and that we, that we don't need to be completely phobic about that. Because the whole point of this, tra of this walk that we're on is that we've been baptized into the dying and rising of Christ. And that's the hope that we live in. That's where we're headed. Um, John O'Donohue, who's a, also now of blessed memory, a lovely Irish priest, said, we return to the home we have never left. We return to the home we have never left. Isn't that a lovely way to, it's this homing, this returning to, uh, you know, the early church said, everything comes from God, everything returns to God. And I think of it kind of like a tide almost. Everything comes from God, everything returns to God. Now, it's interesting to play this off some of what Lloyd was raising up this morning 
because there's a reason historically that we're phobic about death, and I know he will explain some of the Puritan stuff. You can see the taproots of it in some of the lived spirituality of the Middle Ages and the crux of what's happening in the Reformation, Counter-Reformation struggles, because it becomes a tit-for-tat argument over who's going to get to hell first. And there are places you can go in London where one block, the Protestants were burned, and the next block, the Catholics were burned. And it depended on which monarch (coughs) was in power at the moment, and then that would depend on how safe you were. And I don't know that any of that ultimately has anything to do with the gospel. (laughs) I think it has a lot of other things going on in it. But the conversation for us, the invitation I hope to issue to you, is to notice where your image of God or your own prayer life might flinch or hide or run or whatever when you imagine the moment of your own end. Because a lot of what that's roiling, a lot of what's roiling around in there is, uh, for want of a better way to put it, I think of it as radio preacher theology. And um, it's the kind of thing that would get, when I was growing up and we were out at Bernie and my grandmother would turn on the radio, which was only AM, needless to say, in 1958 or whatever, only AM, a lot of great hymns that are in my psyche because of that. But then somebody stomping and hollering about, it's this interesting conjunction of amazing grace and you're going to go to hell. You stop and think about that. The ways in which, in some way, our hymnody tends to carry us through in hope and promise and um, the great banquet of heaven. And yet what may come through the preaching or maybe even some of the prayers is not that at all. And so it creates kind of a split. And we can be functioning out of either one of those taproots at any given time. So it's, a, it's helpful during a time like this to take a moment to just let yourself notice. Don't judge what's going on. This comes straight out of the desert tradition. Pay attention. Don't say, oh, you can't think that, because that'll just make it stronger. (laughs) Just notice what's there. What am I afraid of? Is that God? Is that Jesus? What is that? Where did it come from? C.S. Lewis says very graciously that grace flows backwards. I forget exactly where that is. I think it may be in severe mercy. But grace flows backwards. And I always have this sense that when we have the fidelity and the gentleness with our own hurts and wounds and blockages to bring them forth very openly and kindly in prayer, just like you're receiving Eucharist, so you've got your hands open, that then what happens is it goes back through the generations. Healing is never just about me. That's another mistake. It's, it's never just about me. It's about the whole community. 
couple of things about what healing is not. Healing is not cure. And we're speaking of healing in a New Testament sense, to state the obvious. And one of the ways in which we are um, shackled, I think is one way to think about it, is that in many ways, as both Christian communities and as persons of pastoral sensitivity, we've gotten shackled by this sense that we only are speaking about medical cure. All over the world, people are dying and babies are being born. Those of you that have worked in hospitals know how acute that focus is. It's happening all over on all, all sides. And most of us don't know it, but it's happening all the time. So healing, in a New Testament sense, is not cure. It includes cure. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying don't pray for cure. I think we never give up in intercession. Ever, ever. Don't, don't fall prey to that. And I think it's all a mystery. What Jesus is offering when he's talking about healing, when, when we allow ourselves to sit in deep prayer and ask for healing for ourselves, our families, our friends, our communities, whatever the case may be, we don't know what we're asking because we will be changed if we allow it. Lewis says, yes, Lewis says, God can do everything except us make, except make us love God. <coughs> God can do everything except make us love God. You can't coerce love. I said, you have to love me. Well, we've already ended the conversation. Love can only be offered in freedom. And so healing happens in that deep, sweet, sometimes unknown, in size too deep for words, conversation in which the Holy Spirit moves in and through our whole being and something begins to shift. What does healing look like for you? It's going to look different for you than it does for me. What does it look like in your place, in your family? What does it look like in your backyard? What does it look like in your neighborhood? What does it look like in your city? I would like for you to just allow yourself to be in that lovely daydream musing state and make note of where you have either experienced healing or you see it happening now. Mary's questions and reflections on healing, on love, beckon me to breathe, to imagine, to trust that not only have I known healing in the past, 
but that I will know it again and can know it now in the practice of sitting still and allowing the Holy One to love me. So for me, healing feels like sunshine on my face, basking in the light of all that is and was and will be. Healing sounds like a song. All is made in the love of God. All endures in the love of God. We are here in the love of God. We are here in the love of God. Healing is my son's laughter and my husband's eyes. Healing is a dance when nobody is watching. Healing is a dance when everybody is watching. Healing is an honest conversation steeped in curiosity and courage and love. Healing is showing up and letting go. Healing is yours and mine and ours. Thanks be to God. To hear more from faculty like Mary, who are spiritual directors, pastors, professors, authors, and experienced pilgrims and practitioners in the area of spiritual formation, join us at the next five-day or two-year academy. For more information, visit academy.upperroom.org.